the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. My country tears Sweet land of liberty of Beyonce. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob Frantz. And a good morning to you. It is eight minutes after nine o'clock. Thanks for being with us on Always Right Radio. It is a Wednesday, the 13th morning of the 12th month in the year of our Lord, 2023. Christmas is is darn near here. How about that? Uh, But we have a lot of work to do between now and the holiday. And uh, today is a busy one. Today is a, a little bit of a hectic one, too, because our guests have been bebopping all around the clock because of Hunter Biden. Because we don't know what this clown is going to do. Is he going to show up in about 20 minutes to testify in a closed-door de- uh, deposition the way he's supposed to or not? How does that impact me? It impacts me because our guest, Jim Jordan, needs to be there if that is going to happen. So we had Jim Jordan scheduled this morning because uh, at uh, 9.35... Because Hunter Biden was not expected to show up, and then they were going to hold him in uh, contempt of Congress. Uh, so that was the way it was supposed to be. But then we found out that he might be there, so they moved the interview up to 9.15 so that he could be done in time uh, to go and talk to Hunter. And then we found out that um, 
Hunter is possibly going to be there early. So now we had to move Jim Jordan all the way from 915 to 1035 this morning. But that's where we had Jonathan Broadbent. So Jonathan Broadbent might be on this hour. We're all over the place is my point. It's a moving, a lot of moving parts as we try to uh, bring you the best uh, conversation and information uh, in the uh, news world today. So. So here's what we're endeavoring to do. Jonathan Broadbent of Unwoke Investing is uh, going to be joining us to talk about schools. He's got an appearance on Newsmax television scheduled for Sunday. Uh, Jonathan making the big time at Newsmax, and we're going to talk about that. He's going to appear with a couple of other people about uh, the education uh, dilemma, which I will address in a moment, by the way, another example of it. But um, uh, Jonathan Broadbent, we're hoping to talk to him this hour. Oh, by the way, because of that shifting, Gary Click, Representative Gary Click, uh, Ohio State Representative, was going to join us about amendments being made to his SAFE Act, which hopefully is going to be coming up soon for a vote. It was being amended yesterday in the Senate, hopefully not too drastically. But he was going to come on this hour as well. Now, he's going to be uh, back at 1110, we hope. Gary, if you're listening, we uh, you may not have been told yet, but we're doing our best for you. Uh, and then Jack Windsor in the middle of it all at 1010 this morning. So we've got literally uh, four people who are going to be kind of bouncing around all over the place, depending on Hunter freaking Biden. God, I cannot stand that guy. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that's just the reality of it. Uh, Hunter Biden, the crackhead uh, in, in uh, uh, I'm sorry, not crackhead in chief. Oh, good, that would work too, I suppose, as the president's son. But the uh, first crackhead uh, son of the uh, president uh, is supposed to testify. Uh, before the, uh, in a closed door setting, I should say, in a deposition with the Ohio or with the, um, House Oversight Committee. So that's kind of where we are right now. Not exactly sure how it's all going to play out, but we'll have somebody coming on at 935, I hope. And I certainly welcome you in between and uh, before and after all of those guests that we have today. So at some point, we should have Jonathan Broadbent, Gary Click, Jack Windsor, and Congressman Jim Jordan. It's all dependent on the mood of the crackhead in chief. All right, now let's uh, go ahead and uh, take this opportunity to pledge allegiance. Uh, Patriots, if you've got a flag, go ahead and uh, face it and put your hand on your heart and join us for this. If you are a supporter of the crackhead in chief and the criminal activities that his father and his aunt uh, and his mother and his entire and his uncle and his entire family is involved in, if you support that, then you don't support this country. Don't fake it by pledging allegiance. You may instead take a knee where you're more comfortable next to the other Marxists over there. For the rest of us, and for the rest of us, that's not working right now for some reason. Hold on. We're going to make this happen. Seth, can you fire that up for me? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. He's not the best color man in the league for nothing. Uh, thank you, Seth. He was ready. Um, okay. So I mentioned we're going to do an education update here. And, and this has nothing to do with Ohio. Uh, and this is not even the, uh, the, the higher education update. It's not the Harvard story, which we're going to talk about in a bit. This is a story out of Seattle, Washington, that has just kind of, I think, crystallized what we are dealing with right now. Um, all across American educational institutions. This just kind of brings it home. They're, they're not dancing around it anymore. They're just, they're just penalizing you for facts 
and for the recognition of those facts. What am I what do I mean? A Seattle high school student failed a quiz. It was actually a history quiz. I don't know how these questions are in the world of history. It would seem to be that these would be in a biology class or a health class, but whatever. Tenth grade student, sophomore at Chief Sealth International High School, um, answered a question about women getting pregnant and answered another question about which sex has the penis as the male sex organ. This student answered the question that only women can get pregnant and only men have a penis. The teacher marked them both wrong and failed him on the quiz. The quiz was entitled Understanding Gender Versus Sex in the Ethnic Studies World History Class. Now, I don't know what sex has to do with eth- with uh, ethnicity, and neither do you, because the answer is nothing. This is what American educators are doing now, is they are bringing woke ideology into every single class they can. They're bringing sex and gender into math class. They're bringing it into English class. They're bringing it into now ethnic studies, world history classes. The student labeled both of those statements true. The first, that quote, all men have penises. He wrote, true, wrong. And the second one was, only women can get pregnant. True, wrong. He failed the knowledge check quiz as a result, and the mother, who asked to be uh, anonymous um, so that her son doesn't get penalized, went crazy. I keep trying to wrap my head around it how it is legal to teach inaccurate information and force students to answer against their beliefs or receive negative scores, end quote. And I I really have to caution people who phrase things this way. When I see things like this, it just kind of, it just, there's a, it irks me because it's not a belief system. She said it right the first time about accurate or inaccurate information. It's not about beliefs. This is, this is what they want. They want you, they want me, they want everybody to deconstruct facts and turn them into just opinions or beliefs. It's my belief that men can have babies. And just because you have a different belief doesn't make you right. No, 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 no. It's not a belief. There are facts and there are fallacies. Only biological women are born with the ability to produce eggs and to conceive a child and to have it grow inside her uterus and be delivered through her vagina. A man cannot do any of those things because he is lacking A, eggs, B, the uterus, and C, the vagina. That's it. End of discussion. This isn't about belief systems. This is biological, immutable, irrefutable facts. And then the same thing goes with the other one. It is quite simply not possible for women, biological women, to have penises. Now, I know already what the argument is going to be because they do this nonsense all of the time and they talk about intersex, which is one-tenth of one, one one-hundredth of one percent of the population that is born with that birth defect. That is a birth defect. That is not a natural occurrence. Naturally occurring sex 
meaning sex as in biological sex, not the act of sex, but naturally occurring sex is is a binary. It is male and it is female. You are of the nature to either impregnate or to be impregnated. If you are of the nature to impregnate, you are a male. If you are of the nature to become impregnated, you are a female. Now, I don't need to tell you stuff that you already know, but this is so important to say over and over and over again because look at what they're trying to fill your kids' heads with. This kid got his grade marked or his his, uh, answers marked wrong, thereby affecting his grade because he said that, yes, only females can get pregnant and only males have penis. One other question on the quiz, by the way, ask students about pronoun usage and gender as a construct. Gender is a construct because it's something that doesn't exist in nature. It is being constructed by left-wing activists and tried to be conflated with sex, with biological sex. It is a construct, but it is a, it is a fantasy term. Sex is gender, gender is sex. There is not one thing that is biological and then the other that is emotional. And even if they wanted to say that it is, even if they really want to push their gender as a construct argument and, and teach kids that way, even if they did, they would still lose the discussion because they would be then admitting that it is a psychological condition. If your sex is what your biology tells you that it is, all the way from, I mean, every element of of human biology and physiology, anatomy, chromosomes, cellular cellular, uh, uh, DNA, all of it. (laughs) If, If that's what sex is, and it tells you what you are by all of those things, and then gender is how you feel about what you are that means it is a psychological disorder serious that that's there's point point blank it's a psychological condition if your body is one thing and your if you truly believe that gender is different from sex okay but then you are admitting and acknowledging and therefore you lose the discussion that it is a psychological condition and the reason they don't want to acknowledge it's a psychological condition, but they're forced to when they try to do things like this, separate sex from gender, is because psychological conditions should be treated by, you can finish the fill in the blank if you want, I'll give you a second to, psychologists and psychiatrists. Psychological decisions are not made by plastic surgeons. Psychological conditions are not dealt with by by. Uh, Doctors that cut healthy organs off of bodies. Psychological conditions are treated by psychological professionals. So that's the reality of the situation. The mom said she felt anger and frustration over the quiz and said her son, who is white, is often berated by teachers at the school who have repeatedly accused him of being a racist and a product of the patriarchy that teaches young boys not to care about anything. This is what the mom said on Jason Rance's Seattle radio show. We had Jason on him about his book a couple of weeks back. But this is what the mom said. Um, Seattle Public Schools said the quiz was meant to promote inclusion and was in line with lessons taught in the ethnic studies class. I'm going to again ask, what ethnicity is being a man? What ethnicity is being a woman? No? Nothing? 
That's because there is no ethnicity to male and female. That's biology. Ethnicity has to do with genealogy, which is different. Ethnicity has to do with, with race, with, uh, uh, you know, obviously hereditary traits and so forth. Ethnicity is not biology. And biology is not history. So why in the living hell is a biology lesson like this being taught in ethnic studies history class? Um, the inclusion part has to be hit again. We talked about this in a great deal. I think it was on Monday show because it was in response largely to a question that I got on Saturday at the Madonna County Friends and Neighbors uh, event that I spoke at. And uh, a woman asked me about inclusion and exclusion. Why doesn't anybody talk about it? when they try to be inclusive, they are excluding? And she's a thousand percent right. I told her she was, and I repeated it, and I'll repeat it now. If you try to teach a lesson like this, and say that it is inclusive, you are, by its very definition, excluding those who believe in real biology. Those You, you cannot teach something that is not a fact as a fact, such as that men can get pregnant, and then say, well, we're being inclusive. No, you're not. You're being exclusive. You're excluding the facts, and you're excluding the truth and the, the immutable characteristics that all children have learned since the beginning, since the beginning of their lives. Or at least they used to be. A course description states that students would be investigating the global economy in this ethnic studies class, society and culture. Seattle Public Schools, the district said in a statement, remain committed to fostering inclusive environments that encourage the exploration of contemporary issues, particularly the examination of power systems such as racism and patriarchy. In other words, men, you evil bastards, you are the to blame for all of this. White people, you oppressive haters, you whip crackers, you are to blame for all of this. And because of you, a man can't even get pregnant and without without having a hard time. <laughs> this ded- dedication extends to providing a space for thoughtful exploration and dialogue on these issues, the district said. The district noted the failing grit quiz grade will not affect the student's overall grade in the class. It doesn't matter. The damage is already done. You have made it clear that facts have no place in Seattle public schools. If this teacher is not reprimanded and or fired, and a clear, definitive statement is made that men and only men, or excuse me, only men can have penises and, and females and only females can get pregnant, unless that is done, then you have lost the entire battle. The student's mother said her son was expressing his own beliefs. There it is again with his quiz answers. No, he wasn't. He was expressing factual data. She told the uh, radio program that she's proud of him because he refused to answer against his beliefs. Again, it's not a belief. This is really annoying to me, and I really hope people like this mother who get a platform to speak out watch and be very careful about her uh, her language. It is not a belief system. It is a simple recognition of biological, anatomical, physiological, chromosomal facts. All right. So that's what's going on. Meantime, the... Um, president at Harvard that we talked about yesterday will keep her job after the disastrous and discriminatory hateful testimony she gave to Congress last week and even after the reports this week the expose that was done on her as a liar a cheater and a plagiarist who wouldn't even have gotten her doctorate had she not cheated and lifted other people's work for her doctoral thesis 
This is the reality. Dr. Carol Swain, whom we've had on this program before, found that some of the uh, language that was used in in uh, Claudine Gay's work to become a, a doctor and to become a the president of Harvard eventually was lifted directly from her work. What's stark, stark and striking about that is the fact that Claudine Gay is a radical leftist and Dr. Carol Swain is a, a black conservative. But she stole the work of the black conservative to pass it off as her own so that she could advance in her career. And Harvard says we stand behind her. We totally reaffirm our support for her and her continued leadership of Harvard University. I'm going to hit, hit something real quick here before we go to break that um, Pete Kersenow brought up yesterday. What's the difference between President McGill at Penn, who was forced to resign, and President Gay at Harvard, who is being backed and supported? If you can't see the answer as clearly as the color of their skin, then you need to pay closer attention. They will not fire a black president Claudine Gay, because that would be disastrous for the inclusive inclusivity and CRT moment. They did not mind taking the resignation of the white president of Penn when they literally both did the exact same thing. So much more to talk about this morning. Education is just a part of it. We're hoping to catch up with Jonathan Broadbent sooner rather than later. Uh, but like I said, we're all kind of playing it by ear. Thanks to Hunter Biden and his uninformed. Always right radio with Bob France. On the answer. All right, we continue now on AM 1420, The Answer. I told you we're kind of playing musical chairs with our guests today. We had uh, all because of Hunter Biden, and we're still not sure if Hunter Biden actually showed up. Jim Jordan will join me sometime in the 10 o'clock hour. He had to make himself available in the event that Hunter showed up for his deposition. Uh, to answer all kinds of questions about the uh, first family of crime, bribery, uh, foreign money, and so on and so forth. So hopefully we'll have Jim Jordan sometime in the 10 o'clock hour. That is the plan. And we have asked our other guests to bebop around a little bit, and uh, they've been kind enough to do so. Jonathan Broadbent will join me in about 15 minutes. And right now I am joined by State Representative Gary Click to talk about the latest on the extraordinarily important SAFE Act, which was up for um, some amendments yesterday in a Senate committee. Uh, Representative Click, good to have you. How are are you, sir? Good morning, Bob. I am terrific. This is a terrific day. Uh, expect some good things to happen. Well, I hope that is the case. Um, I, I get a little nervous when I hear things uh, like uh, the Senate is taking up a very important bill like this, the SAFE Act, which also encompasses now that was amended into it, the uh, the Save Women, Saving Women Sports Act, and then I hear the Senate wants to mark it up and make all kinds of changes. So I get a little nervous, Representative Click. What are you hearing from what happened yesterday at the Senate? Are they changing this and making it uh, weaker than we want it to be? So, so good concerns. Uh, what I will tell you is that uh, we have been in constant communication. Keep in mind that uh, Chair Rogner, uh, whose committee this is in, was also the sponsor of Save Women Sports last year. Uh, she is in alignment with us on this bill. And so uh, I have been in, in conversations with them about every amendment. And uh, there's some that I said, no, nah, we can't do that. Some I said, okay, we, we can do this. And so uh, we haven't seen it in writing yet, but I feel confident that every amendment that makes it in there is one that has been approved by me. And, and some of them are just technical language things uh, along the way. Okay. Well, that, that, all, that, that's, that's very good to hear. Um, so what, what are you hearing in your contact with them as far as when this might get to a full Senate vote? Uh, well, I, I, you know, I, I'm hopeful today. Uh, I think the Senate's going to take it up today. 
Okay. Oh, so that's why you said it was a glorious day. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Now, now process-wise, uh, Representative Click, once they do, do any changes that they made have to come back to you guys for an approval on that side again? So, so yes. So uh, <laughs> they've already made a couple changes. That So no matter what they do today, it has to come back to us for concurrence. Uh, a couple more changes will be in there today. Uh, they'll get that out. I think at the top of the, uh, the top of their session today, uh, it should come out, and uh, I'm hopeful. Uh, I'm guessing, uh, and then it'll be sent over to us for concurrence. Uh, we don't have to concur today, but I'm I'm urging the speaker to concur today. Uh, this is our last uh, meeting before we go home for uh, the Christmas break. Well, and you read so my mind. We, yeah, you read my yeah, mind when we, you brought up the speaker because I wanted to find out if the speaker is of a mind to do that. I, I, I sometimes can't figure out where his head is on certain things, to be quite frank. Uh, right, right. Uh, so, yeah. Well, well, it's always it, hard to read anyone else's mind. Yeah. I will tell you this, you know, and the speaker and I have had some differences, we, we've, and we both talked through those differences. But I will say that on the SAFE Act, he's been there the whole time. He's been very supportive on the on the Safe Act. We got it out. We got it out with a strong majority vote, sixty four votes, and uh, he is supportive. I think he wants to see. You know, my guess is that he wants to see the amendments to make sure that you know they're they're good and that you know they're what we're told that they are. And I have no reason to doubt that um, he has not. You know, we're we're still talking in conversation about when. Because we don't have to concur today, we can concur next month. But I don't want—I don't think we should wait that long. So I'm urging him for a, a concurrence today, um, and I, I'm hopeful that we can get that today. I know there's a lot of members who are ready to concur, and so I, I'm hopeful that we don't have any speed bumps along the way. It's yeah. important that we get this done. It really is. Uh, we're talking with Representative Gary Click, Ohio District 88, and. Um, you know, I I want a Christmas present. You deserve a Christmas present, and that should be getting this thing now. We should not wait till after the first of the year because, quite frankly, this is crucial. And and you know, I, I don't want to be too disparaging of our Republican super majorities in both houses of the General Assembly, but the reality is, you have super majorities, and I don't right. know that we often make enough use of them. This isn't something that really should lead to this much back and forth hand wringing and so forth. Uh, the 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 left is. They despise the Saving Women's Sports Act because they think men can get pregnant and men should be able to shower nude in front of women. That's mm-hmm. what they believe in. Uh, they hate oh, it, I, I and know. they hate and they hate the sa- the Safe Act as well uh, because they think men should, uh, boys and girls, ought to be able to transition and do all of this nonsense. Representative Click, they want the worst things that you can imagine, and they are powerless by the numbers to stop us from protecting kids and protecting women's sports and spaces. If we just unite, and and like I said, with the yeah. numbers that we have, it should not be this difficult, in my opinion. Well, well, we so we sometimes we're our own worst enemies. You're 100 percent right about that. Here's the great thing about the Safe Act, and I'll be honest and just straightforward. You know, we've had some differences even within our caucus over the last year, and you've had me on and others on to talk about some of those differences in the past. The great thing about the SAFE Act is it transcends those differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people uh, within our caucus, regardless of what their positions are on other things, who are telling me, Gary, we are 100% behind you in this. Let me know what you need me to do. Some people that I've you know, had some differences with on other things uh, are together on this, and I really believe we've got what it takes to get this done, uh, to get it done. This is the thing that unifies our caucus, just to be honest with you. And uh, I look forward to getting this done. I'm hopeful that we can get it done today. 
Any other legislation you need to make us aware of that uh, is pending that uh, may not get done today, like we hope this one does, but that uh, you're going to be focused on after the first of the year? Well, yeah, I, I have, a, with Jennifer Gross, I have a, a, a closed primary bill that we're trying to refine a little bit. You know, we don't we don't want Democrats rating the Republican primaries, and quite honestly, we don't want the reverse either. We, you know, if you're a Democrat, vote in the Democrat primary. If you're a Republican, vote in the Republican primary. So uh, we, we've got Jennifer Gross and I have a bill on that. Thomas Hall has one that's similar. Uh, and so we're working through those. I have a bill HB two hundred six that it's about. Uh, let, let me let me it's let me stick important. let me stick with the yeah. uh, close primary one because uh, a, a voter asked me about that at a speech I gave on Saturday in Medina, and uh, I talked. I said, quite frankly, there just doesn't seem seem to be much of an appetite for closing the primaries in Columbus. So I didn't know that you had a bill pending there with Jennifer Gross. I'm glad that you do, but what kind of support does it have? Well, we had our first hearing, and uh, we had some good questions, you know, and one of the questions was, okay, so what happens for the independents? Um, and so we're working on some amendments that can fix that so that the independents uh, can have a chance. You know, ultimately, we want, you know, you should be able to register as a Republican or a Democrat, and you can still, you know, cross over from one to the other if you're truly independent. But and there are, there are a lot of independents, and so how do they vote provisionally and things like that? If they decide they want to jump in and vote in the primary, if they want to, you know, vote for the great Republican candidate or for the losing uh, Democrat candidate, you know, that they can at least do that. Um, and so we want to give them a chance to do that. So we're working on some details in it. Um, I don't think there's a lot of passion for it, to be honest. But I don't. I, I'm not feeling a lot of resistance towards it either, as long as we can work out the details. So. Uh, so Jennifer and I are working. We were just talking in the hallway about some possible amendments that would be amenable to us uh, to make sure. And, and primary, that the big question is how do people who are truly independent and unaffiliated get to vote in a primary? And so uh, that's what we're trying to work out. Well, Representative Gary Click, yeah, I, uh, I I think what you said at the first, I'm glad you say you don't sense a whole lot of resistance, but there's just not a whole lot of support for it, which I don't understand. I said this in my response to the voter on Saturday, and I'll say it to you, had we had a closed primary uh, in 2022, Jim Renacci would be the governor of this state right now. I believe that. I believe, well, I believe well, that they, you know, they knew I, full I don't, well. I don't want to go down that. I don't want to go down that direction. That's not why I'm doing it. I, I'm not looking back to the past. I'm not trying to do this and I, I think that's a dangerous thing to do to go into you know personalities not the governor well i'm not trying um, to do personalities i just mean yeah. that i mean democrats and you saw the numbers democrats crossed over in the primary uh and voted uh you know to you know give joe blystone a bunch of votes and and to essentially take away renacy's challenge to mike dewine because they figured and they even said so it was in articles in left-wing newspapers and, yeah. and, and blogs you saw it uh and they said that we can live with mike dewine we can't live if there's a conservative like Renacy in the uh, uh, in in the governor's mansion, so you might not want to address it. And I, I understand, Representative Click, I do, but it's true. The Democrats use the open primary system to literally affect the outcome of the Republican primary, and thus the governor that we have right now. And I think that's a big problem. So, uh, well, so it, it, here, let me tell you because I, I and I appreciate what you're saying. Uh, I'm not so much focused on that, but I am focused on the L nine. Uh, we've got a super candidate in the 09 uh, to defeat Marcy Castor, and that's uh, Craig Rudell. And, you know, he's running up against J.R. Majewski, and Majewski's just, you know, he's just out of line. He he lost the red district last time. He came in 16 points behind Trump. Uh, Marcy Castor tore him up, and now he's jumped back in. He's clowning around again, 
And uh, I, I'm afraid the Democrats are going to jump in and support Majewski up in the 09 because they know that Marcy can beat her and she can't beat Craig Riedel. And uh, I'd like to see that stopped is what I'd like to see because I'm tired of having Marcy Gatter as my congressperson. No, uh, I, I, I don't want Marcy Kaptur any more than you do. And Representative Click, I'm going to have you back on maybe in the next week or so, because uh, maybe before Christmas, because that's a conversation we do need to have. Uh, I know uh, a lot of people are very concerned about re- what uh, Craig Riedel said about Donald Trump, and they are uh, trying to pull endorsements and so forth from him. But, but you're right, all, it's a seat that's, that's got to be news. won. No, I know. I was with Craig last night. Craig is my friend. I'm sticking behind Craig, no matter what anyone else does. I have some other inside information. Um Craig has always been a supporter of Trump. Every time he's spoken, he's been a supporter of Trump. They asked him, are you seeking Trump's endorsement? He said, no. They didn't ask him, are you seeking DeSantis' uh, 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 endorsement? Let's hold off on some of those details for now because I've got a, I've yeah. got another guest coming on here, but I want to have you back on. In fact, uh, let me put you on hold, and maybe we can work that out with our scheduler right now, and we'll uh, have you back on sometime. Sure. All right, it is 949 now. Let's welcome in our good friend Jonathan Broadbent back to our program. Jonathan is the uh, founder of Unwoke Investing. He is one of the champions in the state of Ohio in fighting for the rights of parents and kids to not be indoctrinated in their schools with CRT and gender theory and so much more. And now he is uh, he's on his way to the big time. I understand that Jonathan Broadbent is going to be a feature guest on Newsmax Television this Sunday. I asked him to come on and tell us what this is all about. Jonathan, good to have you back. How are you, sir? Good. Good morning, Bob. All right, Jonathan, thanks for being flexible, by the way, on our schedule. We were supposed to have you on at 1035. Blame Hunter Biden. It's his fault uh, because we were supposed to talk to Jim Jordan in the first part of the show today and have you on later. So we had to switch some things around. But tell us about Transforming America uh, and the event that you are going to be participating in Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for having me on. The first thing to know is that the parents out there uh, that are seeing the, the woke, bad, far-left stuff in schools, you're not crazy. Mm-hmm. You're going you're gonna to get pushback from the far-left calling you extreme, seeing it all over the place. But um, what we're experiencing is when we go in to fight back against, <clears throat> excuse me, far-left woke school districts, the, uh, the school boards, first they're going to ignore you. Then they're going to pretend like they're not doing anything wrong. Uh, then they're going to, uh, the school boards are going to try and hide from you what's really going on. So there's a group of people that have put together a, um, a special called Transforming America that focuses on the indoctrination efforts within K-12 through all across America. It comes out on Newsmax. It releases 9 p.m., Sunday evening, and I'm honored to be uh, to be a part of it. How did you wind up on their radar? So here's the funny thing: I, I actually about a year ago was introduced to a producer. Uh, kind of the background was um, he does a lot of production work for uh, Judicial Watch and organizations like it, and he was interested in the topic of education, and in particular, protect Ohio children, of which I'm part and. And what's going on all over the the uh, country? Because um, I also do some work, or uh, I guess I should say a liaison for Parents Defending Education, and I connect with a lot of other states and their organizations. And so I, I guess I represented some pretty good perspective 
I went into the studio and uh, was honored and kind of thrilled to sit there in, in front of the fancy cameras and all that stuff. This was almost a year ago and answered a series of questions and talked about what I'm seeing in education. And then lo and behold, about two, maybe three weeks ago, I got a, uh, a, a link to a Vimeo trailer for this uh, video. And I was excited about it because I'd heard that my friend uh, Lisa Chaffee from Central Ohio is going to be on this video. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I get to see Lisa's debut and clicked go on the preview. It's kind of like the almost finished version uh, that I got a sneak peek into. I was actually really surprised when I watched it to see myself in it. I'd almost forgotten about that interview from a year ago, but I factor I factor into it, and another woman uh, by the name of Colleen Ann, uh, also I believe in Central Ohio. But there are people from all across the country who are fighting back against this far left woke indoctrination garbage that's going on in K through 12 education. And this special, you don't want to miss it. It's I haven't actually seen the finished finished version, but what I saw a few weeks ago is really spectacular it really puts a good light on or actually i guess i should say a bad light on all the efforts to to indoctrinate children yeah and i'm not going to miss it i can promise you that i'm going to i'm going to bookmark it on my uh, and set a reminder on my phone calendar so that i can make sure to watch that and i hope everybody else does too that's why i wanted to bring you on so it's newsmax sunday at 9 p.m watch jonathan and uh colleen and uh, lisa uh, as a part of this very important thing did you see the story or hear about the story? I opened the show with it today. I'm not sure if you had it on or not, but in Seattle, the uh, the young student, a sophomore, who answered uh, true to two questions on a quiz. One of them was only uh, females can get pregnant, and the other one was only males have penises. He answered true to both of them, and they were marked wrong, and he failed his quiz. Did you hear that? Oh, my gosh. No, not that particular one, Bob, but I'm not surprised at all. That's going on all over just... the country. It, it started, we saw it in places like Canada first and the mm-hmm. U.K., and we thought a couple of years ago that those that was really crazy and how wacky and far left some of these countries had gone. But lo and behold, flash forward three years, and that's us now. We're facing this. Yeah. It, it, it's just brutally ugly, nasty stuff. And it's not just that. It's actually used. It's not something that we can sort of thumb our nose at and and think that it's somebody else or that it's somebody trying to simply enforce this uh, extremist view. It, it's used as a club to beat us. It, kids are being failed out of school. People are being fired for it. People are being doxxed on social media and canceled all over the place just for simply having the view of reality and, and choosing to fight back against the narrative of the woke left. And so, I mean, if for any of your listeners out there who've read George Orwell's 1984, the, the, uh, it, it, what is it? The last step is getting you to acknowledge that, uh, truth is fiction and fiction is truth. That's exactly right. And, and, and it seems as though our educational institutions from one end of the country, and by the way, that one happened to be Seattle, but so what? That's just, be, that's just one that happened to make it to radio and TV. It's happening all over America. There's no question those same types of quizzes and grades are being, uh, are being given and not reported. This one just happened to be reported to a, a media uh, member, a, a, a radio host out there, and then it made it onto TV as well. But Jonathan, um, everything that they are doing, 
everything that uh, you know as an example of that one is uh, that they are doing uh, uh, in our schools right now um, is an attempt to to literally rewrite factual biological history and parents who push back against it are so intimidated by school boards and others they don't want their kid to be ostracized they don't want their kid to be punished the the mom in the story i just told you about um had to remain anonymous when she did her interview because she was afraid that there would be a further backlash against her son so you have worked very very hard you and others around the state of ohio to back parents and to also change these school boards that would punish parents who fight back against this type of indoctrination and i know that's a huge huge part of what you do uh that that effort is continuing right to to replace school board members who are who are supportive of this kind of thing with with uh parents and those who believe education should actually teach and not indoctrinate yeah absolutely and it's what is it they call it i think the first iron rule of marxism you accuse your enemy of whatever you're guilty of and we've seen that across the board in lots of different places including uh, i think you mentioned the testimony of of um hunter biden and what's happening with the trump family and those sorts of things that trump is routinely accused of whatever it, somebody is doing wrong in Washington. And in similar fashion, in K-12 through education, what we saw in the last go with, uh, with reasonable education-focused candidates for school board, the left has taken to calling us, us reasonable people who want what education has always been historically and should be, they call us extremists. So anybody that, that says something like, only boys have penises and only girls and women, only women have uh, babies and uh, that say that we should focus on academics and uh, girls uh, and boys should be in separate locker rooms and bathrooms. <clears throat> Pardon me. People who say those sorts of things are can now called extremists. And so there are people all across Ohio. Then you, I, you know, uh, Jeremiah Sawyer and the mm-hmm. Ohio School Board's Constitutional Coalition they worked really hard and very closely with a really good big number of 140-ish great school board candidates all across Ohio, and we saw the same strategy deployed against virtually all of them. They were billed as extremists by the, the left. But it, they, the crazy thing is that it's, it's a shortcut for people who are unable or unwilling to pay attention to the actual facts of the matter. So in school board races... And this is this is playing out now. We're seeing it in the yeah. fruits of what's happening from the existing truly extremist, far left, woke, indoctrinated school boards. Well, They're what they what they've done, things. Jonathan. I apologize for the intrusion, but I've got a heart out here. What they've done is they've taken 1984 that you just referenced from Morwell from a warning to an instruction manual. They're following it to the letter. Uh, make sure we watch Newsmax on uh, on uh, Sunday night at 9 p.m. to see Jonathan and. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Yeah, that would be me. Trying to navigate our way through. I feel like a, a, a conductor of an orchestra this morning. I mean, seriously, moving this, you know, it, I don't understand music at all. I wish I had musical talent. I, I was an athlete. I sometimes wish I'd never been an athlete. 
I wish I had been a musician. And the reason why is you can you have to stop being an athlete at some point in your life. When the body breaks down, you can play your music forever. I'm amazed at orchestras and conductors who, with the wave of that little wand, can bring in this from the strings. And now this maneuver means you come in with the horns and the brass. And so that's what I feel like right now. I'm kind of moving in. Moving in, Gary Click over here, pushing back Jonathan Broadbent over there. Moving Jim Jordan down to here. i got to get Jack Windsor in the middle in here. I just feel like that's exactly what this is. Is. This is a this is a performance today, a recital, if you will. So thanks for being with us. It's the 13th morning of the 12th month, year of our Lord, 2023. Let's bring in Jack Windsor now. Let's raise that elevated a little bit. Jack Windsor, the founder and editor-in-chief of the Ohio Press Network, with us on AM 1420, The Answer, to talk about a few issues in our state. Jack, good morning. How are you, sir? Hey, Bob. I'm super fantastic. Thank you for allowing me to be here with you and the listeners today. So we, uh, we, we, we've been bebopping around all over the place. We've had to adjust our schedule because we had Jim Jordan scheduled for 935 this morning, and then we found out Hunter might actually show up for the deposition. So Jordan had to move to um, uh, 1035, and now we found out Hunter refused to yep. testify in the closed-door deposition uh, because he's a cowardly crackhead. Uh, that's, that's my estimation of it. But, Jack, it's a nice lead-in to one of the stories that we're going to discuss, and that is the story of Sarah Biden. You have an article on this uh, in the Ohio Press Network pages right now uh, at theohiopressnetwork.com. Tell us about Sarah Biden and her role in all of this first family of crime nonsense that we've been following. Yes, absolutely. But real quick, I have to say, I'm not surprised at Hunter Biden. I think this was the deal all along. I think he's trying to bring attention uh, to himself, and he's trying to drum up as much support as he can. Um, it'll be interesting to see if the left and the Democrats make as big a deal out of him not showing uh, as they did Steve Bannon. And if I were a betting man, I would say no, no, they won't make that big of a deal of it. But what they should well, they make, may, they make a of. huge deal, by the way, because you know he demanded to testify publicly and just in one of the right. open oversight committee hearings, which they didn't want to do because you can't get anything done because it's five minutes per question, you know, per per questioner, and then they can filibuster and not get anything done. Whereas at a deposition, the lawyer gets a full unobstructed hour to ask questions and record answers and so forth. So, um, but what they've done, Jack, is they have made a big deal not of Bannon, they talk about Jordan himself, saying Jim Jordan refused to testify when subpoenaed by the January 6th uh, committee. And, uh, you know, my response to that has been clear from the beginning, and I talk to Jordan about that all the time. Wait a minute. Jim Jordan was supposed to be on that committee, and they booted him. So you either want his participation in the January 6th committee, or you don't. You don't get to boot him off of the committee as a member because you're afraid of the questions he'll ask and the information he'll expose, and then demand that he testify before you. The hypocrisy is so thick, I can't even stand it, Jack, but go ahead. Well, you you hit it right on. Um, But, you know, we published an article that was uh, put together by Real Clear Investigations, one of our syndication partners, and it's deep, I would suggest that if you're listening, that you go over to the OhioPressNetwork.com and then just type in Sarah Biden, S-A-R-A, and then Biden. Who is Sarah Biden? Now, she's Joe's in-law, and she has emerged as a central figure in foreign cash deals, and their relationship goes all the way back to the 90s. It's interwoven with a lot of Democrats who have given money to Joe Biden, that uh, have have supported his, that supported him, uh, not only as a senator uh, but also as a vice president. And Sarah Biden set up a company 
and she set that company up with her husband, Jimmy, and that name might sound familiar. Uh, that is Joe's brother. Brother, right. And so uh, together, the two of them have taken in millions of dollars uh, over the past 30 years, and they've been sued multiple times because there's this pattern of, hey, we're going to give you access to Joe. We're going to pass laws for you. We're going to give you access, and you just need to give us money. And several people have claimed, well, once they got the money, that was it. They, they stopped essentially showing up, if you will, and doing the work that they promised. One of the outfits that they did work for owned hospitals in rural parts of America and gave them $650,000 despite being cash-strapped, and they did nothing according to a lawsuit. And then uh, that group eventually uh, went out of business, uh, or at least uh, I believe had to, had to sell shares. So the bottom line is this. Uh, Sarah is someone who has taken money from people. And this, this theme may sound familiar. If you remember uh, a few months back, uh, someone testified before one of the House committees and essentially said, well, yeah, Joe was, Joe was just representing the Biden brand. That's why he was on those calls. Well, it, it appears that this, you know, selling of access or what I would call pay to play goes back decades and they are subpoenaing bank records. But here's where it gets really interesting. We've heard for months that there's no direct proof uh, tying Joe Biden to anything. Well, when Hunter Biden inked an energy deal with uh, a communist China energy company, mm-hmm. he received $400,000. A couple of weeks later, Sarah Biden wrote Joe a check for $40,000. It's a receipt, and it is consistent with what we found on Hunter Biden's laptop, not me. I mean, the FBI. Yeah, well, of course, right. H, H holds 10% for the big guy. Uh, there's another check for uh, $200,000 written to Joe Biden. It looks like it's in Sarah Biden's handwriting, but it looks like that it was signed by Jimmy Biden, his brother. So now there is money that has been given to Joe Biden that is consistent with that 10 percent, consistent with the time frames. And then, of course, you remember we published a story a couple of weeks ago through our syndication partnership with Just the News, where Joe Biden had uh, there was 56 pages of records that were turned over to a House committee uh, detailing Joe Biden's what we'll call dummy email accounts, where he was communicating with Hunter Biden's business uh, associates and, and people paying Hunter Biden directly through dummy email accounts. Um, so, Bob, this is a news story that came out yesterday, but uh, I'm just curious if the Wall Street Journal, uh, the Washington Post, Cleveland.com, Columbus Dispatch are going to pick it up. Uh, I, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, um, and just to add on to that, too, um, and that's great information, by the way, and a great summary. The Oversight Committee uh, says that in 2018, Hunter sent other payments to his father using a business account that received payments directly from that same company in China you're talking about. These were nearly $1,400 per payment, and they happened monthly. Hunter's defense was he's paying his dad back for car payments. First of all, I don't know what he's driving, but it isn't probably $1,400 a month. Uh, number two, why would Hunter Biden, who made millions of dollars in salary from his uh, positions in the Burisma board, the Chinese board, the, the company in Romania, the other one in Kazakhstan, he's making millions of dollars. Why would he need to borrow money from dad to buy a car? So 
there are receipts. There are plenty. There is plenty of information that links Joe Biden to um, to uh, his son's illegal dealings. And and I'll, I'll ask you this as a follow up, and then we'll get into a couple of the state issues. Um, the fact that David Weiss has now decided to charge him. Hunter Biden, with all of these tax evasion charges, and uh, he's facing anywhere between 17 and 42 years in prison. Nobody nobody believes that's going to happen, by the way. But um, it, it just kind of makes you wonder, was this done specifically to say, we are going after Hunter Biden, nobody can accuse us of playing favorites, when the reality is that none of those charges implicate dad? Because all they're focusing on is the taxes he didn't pay on his illegally obtained money and the bribes. Um, you know, for access to the White House, the pay to play you're talking about. But if they, mm-hmm. if they investigate him and charge him for the taxes he didn't pay on those, they don't actually have to investigate where that money came from. Yeah, I'm not a lawyer, but my understanding is that the statute of limitations is up on, on some of these things. Um, but I think the check is problematic for Joe Biden. Now, the argument will be because his sister-in-law put on the check for a loan repayment. Well, they need to answer questions about what was the loan for and um, why did he loan you money as a public official? And then why were you getting cash from his donors? Um, And by the way, Sarah and Jimmy Biden have the same problem that Hunter Biden has. They didn't pay their taxes. And so the uh, IRS had put liens on properties. The FBI had investigated them criminally before. The other thing that's problematic for Joe Biden, when he was vice president, 3,735 emails were generated by his office to the Lion Hall Group. The Lion Hall Group is Jimmy and Sarah's consulting firm that did business all over the world, claiming to be international consultants. The other problem is that Sarah and her husband were not registered agents. So they admit to doing business internationally, but I guess admit to a crime. They weren't registered to do that. Um, and so Joe Biden's going to have to answer two tough questions. What was the loan for if it was a loan? What kind of business did your sister-in-law get involved with and your brother? And why did you send 3,735 emails regarding them while you were vice president? Uh, that, along with the 56 pages of dummy email accounts and email messages, uh, I think there is. <laughs> I think you would have to either be uh, someone who has taken the blue poison pill of progressivism for a really long time and just want to intentionally put your head in the sand uh, to not see that there's something here, um, or you just are completely clueless. Uh, where there's smoke, there is fire. There is some cluelessness or corruption. Which one is yeah? Which one is worse? Yeah. <laughs> and 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 maybe a little bit of both in in this case. We're talking to Jack Windsor, the editor in chief and the founder of the Ohio Press Network. Make sure you follow and subscribe to that at theohiopressnetwork.com. Let's pivot now to um, uh, yeah. the drama over the weekend over the letter received by over 50 school districts in, in Ohio. You wrote a very important piece on this as well, um, the, uh, ostensibly from a terrorist organization. Somebody claiming yeah. to be a Russian terrorist and their partners from another yeah. terrorist organization were planning explosive in, explosives in school buildings, and many of those were received here in Ohio. What more do you know about this? It had been uh, 52 districts. Uh, and they received a mass email. And that in itself, Bob, is what helped local authorities who turned it over to the FBI and then a terrorist tax task force. That's what helped them pretty quickly decide, well, I, I don't think this is legit. 
because they didn't the, the the message did not name specific schools. And then I talked to the Delaware County Sheriff uh, Sheriff Balzer, and he said, when you think about that, the logistics of putting that together, have, having somebody drop off a bomb secretly, you know, and, and be under the radar in all of those places, it it didn't it didn't add up. And a same type of email was sent to uh, schools in Texas just the week before on December 8th. Uh, however, there was stepped up presence of security and law enforcement at schools throughout Ohio, not necessarily, I'm told, because they thought the threat was credible, uh, but to alleviate any anxiety that parents had uh, regarding sending their kids to school. I don't believe that any schools were canceled. I do know that there were some school parents uh, parents of school-aged children who did keep their kids home for a day, uh, but this appears to be a swatting hoax. Roughly some half of them, I think I read. I, I think in some schools, fifty percent attendance. It was it was that uh, you know people were 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 pretty freaked yeah. out by it. They were, and you know, there's it's tough, Bob. I, one of the school districts uh, was my daughter's, and you know, as much as you and I are in the weeds on stuff and try to be strategic and analyze, uh, your emotions go up, and you kind of go, "Well, wait a minute, am I?" I didn't even think about it, right? I didn't even think. Well, this went out to districts, went out to districts, not specific schools. Happened in Texas. This is probably going to be okay. I had a little bit of anxiety about it. Felt better after I talked to the sheriff. You know, one of the conspiracy theories, if you will, and I use that word totally tongue-in-cheek, right, is that um, we need to be asking who's putting this email message out and why are they putting it out. The Ontario School District, in their letter to parents, said these folks claim to be uh, linked to a terrorist organization, and they were upset that the United States was funding uh, Ukraine. So you kind of step back and go, huh, is this something that was done intentionally to try to paint conservatives or Republicans or people who are, um, you know, anti-Ukraine uh, funding in a bad light? Uh, now, that that obviously, we, we don't know that answer, but right. uh, that's some of the feedback I've received. Yeah, and, and those are all possible, and hopefully there is, uh, you know, some investigation done and get to the bottom of this, because, you know, it, the fact that, like I said, in some of these schools that received the letter, half of the kids did not attend, and, you know, that might be a motivation as well to disrupt literally everything that we do in our way of life uh, as a way of, you know, advancing whatever their political agenda might be. So hopefully they get to the bottom of it sooner rather than later. And, Jack, our last topic this morning is going to be the SAFE Act. Um, you and I chatted a little bit last night, and uh, that prompted me to get uh, Gary Click, the sponsor of the SAFE Act, onto the program today. There was uh, some Senate hearings yesterday, Ohio Senate hearings yesterday, uh, in which amendments were being made. And uh, Representative Click gave me a pretty strong indication that from his conversations with senators, um, everything that was changed is minor. It's in language. It's not necessarily anything that's going to dramatically alter the bill or his support of the bill that he, of course, sponsored. Um, but now it's got to go back to the House, and it's a question of to, as to whether or not they get concurrence on it today and they get it voted for before they go on break. What are your thoughts? Yes, I was. Uh, well, first of all, we, we heard rumblings that there was going to be a poison pill in the bill. And the poison pill was going to be that in extreme cases of gender dysphoria, that there might be an exclusion. And then, of course, a rational person goes, so what do you mean? How do you test for that? Is there is right. it DNA? Is it in the blood? You can't test for it. That's totally up to a clinician. And we're back to square one, where people who are profiting from this are going to say, of course we want to make an exception. I understand that that language is no longer in the bill. Uh, I'm trying to gather some support, or some support, some uh, uh, input from people in the House. My understanding is that it may pass today. 
we will see. Um, I will have Gary click on in the noon hour, and I will report back to you if I hear anything in that conversation. Yeah, and and uh, I did not know that about the poison pill. I know there was a concern that there was a poison pill of some sort in it. And, of course, the definition of extreme would be the at issue then if that had been added. Uh, as you, just, you know, what does extreme mean? Extreme cases of gender dysphoria. Like you said, you, it's, it's not in the DNA. That's the point. Your DNA tells you whether you're male or female. It's a psychological condition or it's a psychological feeling or just a, a game of pretend and a game of charades. Who is going to determine? which is more severe than another to the point where, well, we will make an exception for this person. So uh, it's just so it's just so silly, quite frankly, the idea that uh, that, uh, you know, there's extreme versus regular gender dysphoria makes no sense. No. And what doesn't make sense, Bob, is that Sweden for a long time, uh, they had the gate up on allowing tons of stuff to happen with trans activism and trans surgeries. And we've got to remember, they slammed the brakes on this last year because of the harm it was doing to kids. It's, it's unfathomable to me that we're not having honest, open dialogue, at least from the left, on why this might actually be the worst solution to what appears to be a sometimes politically and peer-motivated uh, gender uh, dysphoria problem. Jack Windsor, uh, our good friend, the founder and editor-in-chief of the Ohio Press Network, still uh, holding down the fort for Bruce Hooley on The Answer in Columbus. Uh, Keep up the great work, Jack. Thanks for making the time. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Bob. God bless you, man. You got it. 1025 now. We'll take our time out here. Jim Jordan, congressman, did not get his conversation with, uh, uh, with uh, Hunter Biden this morning. There is still supposed to be an Always Right Radio with Bob France. On the answer. All right, ten thirty-three. Uh, the uh, cavalcade of guests continues now. I am told we do have the man of the hour, or the man who wanted to be one of the men of the hour. If Hunter had had the guts to uh, to uh, actually appear at his own deposition, we're talking about Congressman Jim Jordan. He is the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. He also sits on the Oversight Committee that did not get their opportunity to depose uh, Hunter Biden this morning. Congressman Jordan, good morning. Thanks for the time. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Bob. Good to be with you. So um, what were you expecting? Did you think he was going to come and talk this morning? Well, I, I, I think what he did was just sort of flaunt uh, at the whole the whole process. I mean, he was across the lawn on the Capitol, uh, you know, there on the Senate side uh, doing a press conference, but he can't come in for a deposition that he's been subpoenaed to come in for. I mean, th- that is just crazy. And, and, you know, Look, the impeachment power resides solely in the House of Representatives. We are actually later today going to vote on an official impeachment inquiry. His lawyers argued that, oh, because we hadn't taken the vote, that, that he didn't need to come. Well, okay, we, we think he did need to come based on the Constitution, but we're going to have a vote today where a majority of the House is going to go on record saying we're in an official impeachment inquiry phase of, of our oversight duty. We'll see if he changes his tune and comes, uh, comes uh, uh, you know, sometime later. But uh, to come to the Capitol and then while members are there waiting for the deposition to happen uh, and not show up is um, unbelievable. And that's why I think you will see us move forward with contempt proceedings uh, as quick as we can. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you what that looks like. What does it mean to be held in contempt of Congress? What is the real consequence for this? Well, ask, ask Steve Bannon. Ask Peter Navarro. Uh, they're, they're, they've been charged and prosecuted for contempt of, of Congress. So. Uh, it's it's real. Um, you know, we'll see if DOJ is consistent. If you know, we, first we have there's a process. You have to have to have to be a report. There has to be a vote of the oversight committees, and there has to be a vote of the full house. While that happens, we'll see what what uh, 
Biden's Justice Department, what Merrick Garland's Justice Department does, uh, if in fact that happens. But we know what they did to Steve Bannon. We know what they did to Peter Navarro. So we'll uh, we'll see. But it is a serious issue when uh, when when Congress asks you to come. Some uh, some legal analysts have suggested that when David Weiss went ahead and uh, filed those charges against him, that gives him the out. He can say, I'm facing a pending uh, uh, charge, indictment, investigation, trial, or whatever, and that makes him, uh, excuses him from having to testify in this case. Is there any ground to stand on there? Well, the, and, and of course, the other right, I don't, I don't view it as an out, the other right he has is to assert his Fifth Amendment privilege, right. which he could have done. And frankly... Because of what you just said, the nine charges that were that were brought against uh, Mr. Biden last week, uh, it would seem to me his counsel would tell him if he's going to sit down for any type of formal uh, questioning under oath that he should think about those Fifth Amendment rights. But that's between him and his counsel. Um, but he has that right as well, obviously. Let's talk more about the uh, impeachment uh, inquiry vote that's happening today. First of all, will you have the votes to pass this, do you believe? I, I believe we do. Uh, with the possible exception of one member, although that member uh, has said publicly his concerns with uh, a vote on impeachment inquiry stem from the White House and, and Hunter Biden's counsel arguing that there wasn't a formal vote and why they shouldn't come. So I think I think maybe even there's a chance that that member uh, will, will reconsider and, and be for it. But I do think we're going to have the vote to pass and then the second part of that, Congressman Jordan, is what is what makes this different from the impeachment inquiry that uh, that uh, former Speaker McCarthy launched? Um, there's, I think, under the Constitution, there's really no difference other than you have the the vote where a majority of the House of Representatives, as I was saying earlier, uh, go on record saying we are formally now we are in the impeachment inquiry mode, and you have a vote to back it up. Legal scholars like like Professor Turley think that is it's always better to have that and i and i always say you know remember this is a power that resides solely with the house and if a majority of that body has said we are formally in this process that carries weight when you're working on situations like trying to get witnesses in or if you if you have to go to uh to court uh, at some point and in this resolution bob there there are two there are three names mentioned in the resolution one of course is joe biden because it's an impeachment inquiry about about his his conduct and, and his actions, but there are two other names, two in, individuals that the Department of Justice has has uh, prohibited us from from interviewing, Mr. Uh, Mark Mark Daly and, and Jack Morgan, and these are the two DOJ tax lawyers who initially said we should that, that there should be charges for the 2014 2015 tax years where the bulk of the income uh, coming into Hunter Biden was from the Ukrainian energy company Burisma. And then nine months later, they changed their tune, flipped 180 and said, no, 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 we shouldn't charge for that. And they let the statute of limitations lapse. We think that is an important line of questioning we need to get from those guys. What changed? Why did you change your position on something as important as millions of dollars coming into Hunter Biden from Burisma? And our theory, of course, is it's one thing to charge him for a gun charge in Delaware. That doesn't get you to the White House. But you start looking at Burisma and the income that came from Burisma in those particular tax years, that gets you to Joe Biden. And so we think we, we want to ask him about those. And they've, they've, the Justice Department, the Biden Justice Department, has stopped us from uh, hearing from those guys. We think this resolution that passes today helps us get those individuals in for a deposition. That's enormously important. I was going to ask you about why you think Weiss pulled the trigger on the tax evasion charges when he did. Uh, you know, is this way his way or Garland's way of giving the appearance of you know impartiality and prosecuting the president's son, but without having to investigate the source of all that income that you just pointed out that he failed to pay the taxes on? 
I, I mean, I don't know. What I what I do know is the charges that they did bring are consistent with what the whistleblowers have said all along should have happened. So, um, you know, that's that's pretty serious. And I apologize, Bob. I got to run here because we're this day with, with what's going on. Go but um, we'll, we'll we'll make sure we get back with you again next week and talk. We look more. forward to it. Yes, sir. Go past that Thanks, inquiry. Bob. Thank Take you, care. sir. All right, Thanks. that's Jim Jordan on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Um, it was going to be tight today, and we uh, squeezed it in. Um, that impeachment inquiry is is important, and that's why I didn't get a chance to ask him about Hunter Biden and uh, the wealthiest woman in Russia, which is a huge part of this story as well, and also what happened on December fourth of twenty fifteen. This is a very deep. How do I want to describe it? Uh, a multi-headed Hydra kind of a of a of a situation one that our Hunter Biden. Because there's the gun charge, there's the Russia, there's the China, there's the Ukraine, there's the Romania, there's the um, uh, uh, cocaine in the White House. There are so many different elements of criminal activity involving Hunter Biden. Um, it's really hard to keep it all straight. So let's just hope that what Jim Jordan just said is true. And that is that if they get this pass this officially with the support of the majority of Congress and not just an inquiry opened by the Speaker. And that was the difference. You know, I asked him the question that I knew the answer to, which is Kevin McCarthy launched the impeachment inquiry pretty much of his own accord when he was the Speaker. This would make it an official congressional inquiry because it would have the majority of the House, which does not involve the Senate, by the way. Only the House votes on the impeachment inquiry. Uh, and then they'd be able to have access to a lot more witnesses and perhaps a lot more um, evidence than they would have otherwise. Uh, so it's important that they pass this today. And uh, there is there is a big difference. The other issue I was going to ask Jim Jordan about had we had the time, but again, uh, duty presses, uh, and uh, and he and he of course went to take that on. The other issue um, is uh, the uh, issue of the border. In the last 24 hours, as of this morning, we got this report, and I wanted to ask him about Congress's role in this. Over 10,000 migrants crossed, 3,000 in Lukeville, Arizona, 2,700 in Eagle Pass, all told over 10,000 just in the last 24 hours, which is pushing up on the record of 12,000 that passed in a single day uh, just last week. And the question becomes... Where are we on the potential deal to change border policy in exchange for more money for Zelensky? Now, you know how I feel about this. I wonder how you feel about this, but you know how I feel. I think it is criminal to sell out border security unless we give more bribe money to what I believe to be a corrupt government in Ukraine. And I, you know, I, I want to be very clear about this to anybody and everybody who's listening who is a supporter of Ukraine. I'm a supporter of Ukraine, too. I don't like Vladimir Putin invading their sovereign territory either. But I support the Ukrainian people. I don't support corrupt governments. And I am not convinced that anything that Volodymyr Zelensky is doing as he toured Washington yesterday with his hands out again saying, give us more, give us more, give us more. I don't know. There's no end game in sight. There's no outcome that they are talking about where this would, uh, this would be justified. It is just an ongoing bottomless pit of money. And he comes back every year or so or every six months and puts his hand out and makes this plea. And, oh, we got to stop Putin. Oh, we got to stop Putin because that's what they do. They accuse us of being tools of Putin. 
Hakeem Jeffries called us uh, called the uh, Republicans who are opposed to giving more money to Ukraine after we've already given them 120 billion taxpayer dollars. He said that makes us the uh, pro-Putin uh, wing or or wing of the Republican Party. Specifically, he was talking about representatives in the caucus. Uh, the pro-Putin caucus of the House Republican Conference uh, is extreme. It's loud and it's growing. Uh, it's led by Marjorie Taylor Greene and Jim Jordan. Uh, on the inside and on the outside, it's led by Donald Trump and Tucker Carlson. And it seems increasingly clear that this pro-Putin caucus would like to see Vladimir Putin win in Ukraine. This guy is another stampede of stupid. Because we prioritize securing the border against the invasion we are suffering on a daily basis that is bigger and potentially more dangerous than the Russian invasion of the Ukrainian border. Because we prioritize America first, American border security and sovereignty first, over Volodymyr Zelensky's pockets being lined, in his what I believe to be a quid pro quo backdoor deal with the Bidens, because he has the goods on everything that Biden received, Hunter and Joe, from Ukraine during the Obama presidency when Joe Biden was the vice president on the take. And that's what I believe it was. Because we prioritize American security first, that makes us pro-Putin, that makes us pro-Russia, that makes us pro-communism, that makes us pro-violation <clears throat> of another nation's sovereignty? No. <clears throat> but there is such a thing as priorities. We are allowed to say, yay, go Ukraine, we support you. And we've already supported them with money, too. $120 billion worth. Where the hell is the money coming from the rest of uh, Eastern Europe? What about all of the NATO allies around Eastern Europe that support uh, that supposedly support Ukraine? Why aren't they pitching in the money that we are? And by the way, is Ukraine a completely broke nation? They can't generate any of their own uh, military equipment and support and money for their own for their own cause. I'm tired of being the biggest benefactor to the Ukrainian cause. Tired of it, especially if the Democrats are going to use that as a cudgel in a, in a way to stop us from from uh, 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 securing the American southern border. We are being invaded just as assuredly as Ukraine is. And why is it that Democrats in the Congress believe that Ukraine deserves security more than we do? And that our funds should go to Ukraine before they should go to, um, uh, to uh, the United States. It, it's, it's just wrong. Speaker uh, Mike Johnson addressed this yesterday. This, uh, and, and, and I'm not a massive fan of his approach to this either because he seems to be willing if we get enough conditions met on the southern border to go ahead and give more bribe money to Volodymyr Zelensky. Um, He's not the driver of this, but he has to sign off of it uh, on it uh, as Speaker of the House now, and he seems to be willing to do that. If you give us some change on the border policy here in, uh, in, in the United States and our southern border, then we'll give you money. It's, we shouldn't, it shouldn't, take a bribe i'm sorry i can't stand the 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 concept here of we will defend american citizens against fentanyl 
against drug cartels, against weapon smugglers, against human traffickers, against gang members, all coming across against Chinese uh, military-age fighting males, against um, uh, Middle Eastern military-age fighting males, all pouring across our southern border, that we will only protect you against those things if, we give, if we're allowed to give more money to, to uh, Zelensky. I just fundamentally reject that. It should be your absolute top priority to protect against those things because the American people have to come first. No disrespect to the Ukrainian people, but America first. That's just the reality. But here's Speaker Johnson. Fentanyl is the leading cause of death for Americans age 18 to 49 in this country. Fentanyl poisoning because it's allowed over the border. We have human trafficking and all the other terrible things. In the last three months, October, November, December alone, We've had more illegal crossings at the border than in any entire year during the Obama administration. The American people see this. They feel it acutely. They see all the terrible societal ills that come from this, and it must be addressed. So I've made this very clear, again, from the very beginning, when I was handed the gavel, we needed clarity on what we're doing in Ukraine and how we'll have proper oversight of the spending of precious taxpayer dollars of the American citizens, and we needed a transformative change at the border. Thus far... We've gotten neither. Uh, the Senate has been MIA on this. The House passed H.R. 2 six months ago, more than six months ago. It's been sitting and collecting dust on Chuck Schumer's desk. I have told him personally, I've told the National Security Advisor, the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Defense, that these are our conditions because these are the conditions of the American people. And we are resolute on that. It is not the House's issue right now. The issue is with the White House and the Senate. And I implore them to do their job because the time is urgent. And we do want to do the right thing here. With that, I'll, I'll, I'll... Well, the problem with that is there's no pressure on the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer by the Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, because this is the problem with the Republican Party. The Senate isn't going to act on this any, any, any more quickly because Mitch McConnell is in, in cahoots, if you will, or at least they agree, even if it's not intentional, but they agree on the Ukrainian situation with uh, Joe Biden and with Chuck Schumer. There's no... There's no one in the Senate in a position of leadership, certainly more than the minority leader, uh, uh, Mitch McConnell, who is willing to stand up and say, no, no more money for Ukraine. The Repu- and there are, quite frankly, 100-plus Republicans in the House, too, that are saying the same thing, that we'll give, you money, uh, give money to Ukraine if we get <clears throat> um, this change in border, border security policy. But I can't believe them. I don't trust them. You shouldn't trust them either. The reality is that they have continued to sell us out. The good news, if there is any at all, is that if a deal must be made, it's going to involve more than just money. What I mean by that is this. And I want you to try to follow this, okay? It can be complex, but the problem with our southern border isn't lack of resources. It's not lack of money. It's a lack of ideas. It's a lack of policy. If the left tries to say, if we give another $60 billion or whatever the amount is going to be to Ukraine, we'll give you more financial resources to hire more border security, to hire more customs and border patrol agents, to have more, you know, ramped up, um, you know, camera systems and so on and so forth. If they say it's about that, it's got to be a non-starter because it's not about those things. We could have one million border security agents working down there along that southern border, 
And it wouldn't matter if the policy doesn't change. The policy that says when the illegals come to you, if they say they're seeking asylum, you have to let them in. Then what's the hell's the difference how many border agents there are? What has to change is the policy. And that's where the good news comes in if there is any in this situation. The Biden administration yesterday said, they indicated to some of the members of Congress that we're talking about here, that they would be willing to support a new border authority to expel migrants without asylum screenings, as well as an expansion of immigration detention and deportations, if that's what it takes to get the Republicans on board to give this money to Ukraine. Four people familiar with the situation, told CBS News. They'll take this for what it's worth at CBS. It's part of the mainstream media, but it doesn't look like there's an agenda here. The White House told Senate Democrats that it would support sweeping and hardline immigration policy reform as part of the negotiations if the Republicans would agree to the $100 billion package that includes military aid to Israel, Taiwan, and, yes, the bulk of it to Ukraine. So that matters. It's being described as this new reform, similar to Title 42, which was used, of course, to expel people under COVID concerns um, and, and not allow them in. But, of course, that was lifted earlier this year. It would be similar to that, but not specific to COVID or or anything of that nature. But uh, it would essentially allow the border officials to expel migrants without processing their asylum claims. Right now, the policy is catch and release. Catch them. If they say um, uh, they're seeking asylum, we release them into the interior of the United States, and they have to promise to come back for their asylum hearing, which, of course, is four four to ten years out now. The new policy would be a good one if it were implemented, that that ended that practice. It's similar to the Remain in Mexico policy, but it would allow us to expel the migrants without hearing their claims while they wait here. So that Title 42 pandemic order kind of comes back, but in a different name and under a, in a different form. But it would allow us to pause asylum law temporarily. It would also allow the uh, Border Patrol agents to remove and deport migrants without court hearings if they don't ask for asylum or if they fail their initial asylum interviews. That means they don't have to go through the full asylum hearing, which, again, is four to ten years out right now. That's the backlog because there's nine million of these people who have come over in the last three years. Um, that this, this essentially would eliminate that, where they get to stay while they await their hearing. So this is a big deal. If we can get something like this passed, it would help us and give us a moment of relief from the invasion at the southern border. But the cost of it would be another $60 billion or whatever to Zelensky. I don't like being bribed. I don't like being told we will only protect you and your families from the invasion at the southern border if we are allowed to send your tax dollars from your paychecks to Eastern Europe for a cause that we have no earthly idea um, how, how to support. Because we don't know what we're trying to support. They still have not indicated what an ending would look like. What does an ending of the Ukrainian-Russian war look like? We still don't know. And that's why this is so problematic. 
But that's a lot of grist for the mill. Uh, I want to open up the phone lines to you now. It looks like we got all of our guests in. We were able to talk to Jonathan Broadbent. We were able to talk to Gary Click. We were able to talk to Jim Jordan and Jack Windsor. So now we have the last hour to talk to you. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, it is indeed now seven minutes after 11 o'clock. Hour three is underway. It's the 13th morning of the 12th month in the year of our Lord, 2023. Huge news from the Supreme Court this morning. The Supreme Court, this is from the AP decided Wednesday morning it will hear an appeal. Now, mind you, this is not a victory. It just means they have agreed to hear an appeal that could upend hundreds of charges stemming from the Capitol riot of January 6th. And I'm so glad the language used by the AP here is a Capitol riot. It was a riot. It did deteriorate from a protest into a riot. We're okay with calling riots riots, even though the uh, the left would call uh, things that BLM did during that summer, uh, during the summer of 2020, peaceful protests that turned into riots. Um, it, it was a riot. It was not an insurrection. It was a riot. It did. Not everybody rioted. But everybody who was there was being charged as if they were rioters, including charges against President Trump. The justices will review an appellate ruling that revived a charge against three defendants accused of obstruction of an official proceeding. The charge refers to the disruption of Congress's certification of Biden's 2020 presidential election victory over Trump. That's among four counts brought against Trump in uh, special counsel Jack Smith's case that accuses the 2024 Republican presidential primary frontrunner of conspiring to overturn the results of his election loss. Trump is also charged with conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding. The court's decision, according to the AP, to weigh weigh in on the obstruction charge could threaten the start of Trump's trial, and it could bring um, relief to more than 300 defendants in the massive federal prosecution following the insurrection, January 6, 2021. Now, I, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change this language here because as I just said, it was not an insurrection, but they also called it a deadly insurrection. It was deadly insofar as one of the protesters was shot and killed by a Capitol Hill police officer who was later promoted. That was the only deadly aspect of January 6th. One woman, Ashley Babbitt, was killed. Nobody, no police officers were killed. 
They called it a deadly insurrection. It's kind of funny. The AP shifted from calling it what it was, which was a riot, to uh, a little further down in the article, to calling it a deadly insurrection. At any rate, the obstruction charge has been brought against more than 300 uh, individuals who could have their cases uh, altered drastically as a result of this. So I'm not sure exactly when they're going to hear it, but the Supreme Court said they will hear the case. So joining me now to react to this, Tom Zawistowski, the president of the We the People Convention and the Portage County Tea Party, who has been one of the loudest and most uh, diligent and passionate voices on behalf of the January 6th political prisoners in Ohio and maybe around the country, quite frankly. Uh, I know he's got reactions to this. Tom Z, it's good to have you back. How are you? I'm well, Bob, and, and we are joyous this morning. We are thankful. Our prayers have been answered. Well, we're going to uh, we're going to bring on somebody who's more directly connected to this because Trevor Kane from Aurora is one of those January six defendants whose freedom is in serious jeopardy. Here, he has been charged with a litany of crimes for spending thirty minutes inside the Capitol on January sixth. Trevor Kane, welcome back to our show. How are you? Hey, Bob. Doing good. God is good. What a savior. Well, you know what? He is every day. Uh, and sometimes we just have to wait and see what that goodness is going to look like. Today it looked like God touched the uh, the souls or the hearts or the minds of the Supreme Court justices. Tom, why don't we start with you? Uh, tell us what you think this uh, this decision means by the court today. Tom, are you still there? Oh, yeah, I am. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, I Tom, think, Tom know, we're starting with you. Okay, so... You know, here's what your listeners need to understand. Part of the problem, and you, I really thank you for pointing out the, you know, the, just the, you know, the lies that are in all the articles since, you know, 2020 and 2021, January 6, 2021, where, you know, this was a deadly insurrection. It, it was, it was only deadly to American citizens. There were five citizens killed by the government. There were no government people killed by citizens. It wasn't an insurrection. That's that's a lie. It was a it, it, it was a protest. Of, and it was unlike the Democrats who like to talk about BLM. It was a mostly peaceful protest other than some individuals who you know, did think that they should be charged with. But here's what's important. The whole course of this, the FBI and the DOJ have abused the law. They have they have trumped up the charges, no pun intended, against people like Trevor. Mm-hmm. To try to get them these ridiculous, you know, terms uh, sentences in prison, and the biggest offender is this obstruction of an official proceedings charge that came from the Enron, uh, you know, uh, you know, fraud, the Enron Energy Company fraud mm-hmm. from 20 years ago. It has nothing to do with what happened on January 6th, but the DOJ and the FBI have misapplied it and misused it. And in the corrupt D.C. courts, they've applied it to give 20 years, 18 years, 15 years sentences to people who basically just trespass. That's a great summary. Trevor Kane, you were one of those charged with trespassing. You were one of those charged with a number of things. Tell us exactly what you are facing right now, and then give me your reaction to what you just learned this morning, other than, indeed, God is good. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.